This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Now, we've been talking last week, introduced a topic about kingdoms in conflict. Kingdoms in conflict. And I kind of, uh, the way I did it, I, I compared it to city of man versus the city of God. And, uh, you know, quoted a little bit, you know, from the tale of two cities by, uh, by Dickens. You know, he said it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was a time of light. It was a time of great darkness. I mean, it so seems to fit the times that we're living in, doesn't it? We need to be aware of these kingdoms in conflict. We, we looked over there. We compared Genesis 11 to Hebrews 11. In Genesis 11, we see in those first three or four verses where it says they, they came together and they said, Come, let us build a city. The kingdom of man, the city of man is egocentric. It's all about me. It's all about who I am and what I have done and what I possess and all of that. And boy, we deal with that a lot, don't we? That's probably one of the biggest motivating factors of most people, what they do with their, their, their careers, what they do with their job, how they spend their money. Everything is centered around what? Which city is going to dictate to, to my life? Which city am I going to choose to live by their values? And then in, in Hebrews 11, we saw where Abraham, it says that Abraham went out not knowing, said he lived in a tent. See, they were going to build something permanent. Man, last week I was standing on the ruins of something people thought was going to be permanent. In France. I told you about that. I was standing there, you know, all these big pillars that were left and all. I mean, you could tell that it had been magnificent at one time. But look at it now. That's what man does. What he builds is not permanent. But it says that Abraham... Contrary to them, it says he lived in a tent on purpose. Why? It says because he was looking for a city that was built and made by God. So which city are we living in? Which city are we looking for? That's what we've got to understand. And, you know, and I mentioned too in this <clears throat> that it's egocentric, the city of man. The value is utilitarian. What can I do for you? Uh, that's where my value comes from, is, is, is what skills I have, what education I have, what connections I have. It's all utilitarian. It's all about possession. But the city of God, we mentioned, it's God-centered, and my value is based on God's love for me, for you. You know why I'm valuable? Because God says I am. Not because I can do something for Him. Not because I've got great skills or abilities. Because what? God has set His love on me, on you, on really everyone. And that's where our value comes from. And the kingdom of God, remember we said the city of God, it was all about not getting, but what? Serving. How much can I serve? That's where, that's really, my value comes in what? Serving. I serve. I serve out of love. Because I'm loved, I serve out of love. So that, that kind of catch you up if you weren't here last week. We talked about the five pillars of each of these Governments or kingdoms, and, and it's government, economics, education, family, and religion, or if that term turns you off, spirituality. But it, all of these are in, involved in these two cities, two kingdoms in conflict. Now, you know, <clears throat> uh, there was a time when Rome persecuted the church, the early church. You probably are familiar with that in, in history, that they persecuted them. But at some time, you know, in the early 300s, there was an embracing of Christianity uh, by the Roman Empire. And, and so at that time, you know, Christianity was accepted. Christianity was allowed to, to, to flourish without being persecuted or anything like that. And not too long after that, something happened when the Goths, G-O-T-H-S. It's all right to give you a little history lesson here. Overran and sacked the city of Rome in, in 410. A.D. And many in the city of Rome said, well, wait a minute. We've turned to worship this, this new Messiah, this new Savior, and now look what's happened to us. 
Because the Goths came in and, and they, they broke down everything. They broke down the cities and all this stuff was going on which was bad and negative. And so in response to this, St. Augustine wrote one of his classic books called The City of God. And in it he contrast, compared and contrasted the city of God, in the, which is eternal, and the city of my, man, which is temporary. Are you listening? And so he compared those two things and he said, you know, this any kingdom of man, city of man built by man is temporary at best. But the kingdom of God, the city of God that we are associating with, he said it's eternal. And this is something I think as we are living on our lives here in this nation, we're facing an election and everything. And you know what I told you about the election? Get all the information you can, pray, and then go vote. But we need to be aware and understand, you know, I talked about it. You know, there is no Savior coming up in this next election. The Savior's already come. He's already here. <laughs> Amen. So whoever is elected in this next election, don't look to them as the Savior. See, it's all about what we put our focus upon. So today we kind of live in the same perplexity as they did in paradox because, I mean, our nation, our fathers, most of our, our forefathers that founded this nation, it was founded on, on Judeo-Christian ethics and, and faith and belief and, and, you know, and that's what our institutions was. I told you, you know, the changes I've seen, as young as I am, I can remember <laughs> when we, you know, in the schoolroom, the Bible was right up there on the teacher's desk and every day, pastor... We, we pledge allegiance, somebody read from the scriptures, and we prayed. In the classroom. Oh, my gosh. But no more. Boy, how have the mighty fallen. And so we have to look at these things and understand. As we look, and today we're going to begin to look at some of these five pillars. Two of them today, government and economics. And we're going to compare them from these two kingdoms or these two cities that are in conflict. And we, like Abraham, are in the world, but what? We're not to be of the world. Isn't that right? That, yeah, I may live within the structures of some of this earthly kingdom here, but I want to tell you what, that's not the bottom line for my life. That's not where I draw my values from. I'm going to tell you what, what I believe in, in the city, in the kingdom I live in, it is super natural. Now see, when we hear that word, you know, most of us, we get all, woo. But, you know, super just means greater than or above. So when we say supernatural, we're just saying what? It's greater. It's greater in authority. It's greater in power. It's greater than in duration. It's greater in everything that is good. It is greater. That's all supernatural means. Doesn't mean you have to have an explosion going off all the time. Let's talk about the government. The government. Romans 13. I want to read over there real quickly. Romans 13 verse 1. We, you know, as believers, we really need to get a grasp on this and an understanding of this so that we're not shook up. You know, I told you, I said, d d no matter what candidate you're favoring or looking for, you know, bottom line is, whichever one of the three candidates that are running gets elected, you know what we are to do as Christians? There you go. So if your person gets in, you know what we're going to do? If your person doesn't get in, you know what we're going to do? So why are we getting all uptight about it? Why are we like the world that thinks that, you know, the political system is going to save us? No, I'm telling you what. Hallelujah. I don't need saving. I've already been saved. Hallelujah. I'm living out the kingdom. How about you? Romans 13, real quickly. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. There is no authority except that which God has established. See, the first thing we need to understand is all authority is coming from God. I don't care what, what stripe or flavor politically man wants to attach to himself. Anybody that's in any office that's governing in any capacity, that authority came from God. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is using that authority godly. 
But the authority, the right to govern comes from God because he's the source of all authority. That's what Paul's, he's explaining this to the Romans. Because at this time, they didn't get to vote. Are you listening? They didn't vote for who Caesar was going to be. And most of them had no rights except the right to be persecuted. So he's writing to these people. He says, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. Awful quiet here. (laughs) For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Conscience. This is why you pay taxes. Wait a minute. You complaining about your taxes? For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. Hello. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, he's talking here in a general way about authority and where it comes from. It comes from God. And he said for the sake of our conscience and for the sake of just, you know, living a quiet life quiet and peaceable life he said we need to be submitted to the authority and when we recognize that that authority has come from God all the more reason and all the more easier it is what to submit to that authority now here's the thing about it the kingdom of God says that all authority is delegated by God to govern but the kingdom of man says authority comes from the people who are governed You wonder why many in government have no fear of God? They don't understand, nor do they recognize that the authority they are exercising, they are doing that as under God, whether they're Christian or not. Are you listening? See, I'm not looking to to just get all Christians in the government. I mean, maybe that would be good. Maybe not. I don't know. But here's the thing I do know. God wants capable people to get in there. And he wants those people to have a measure of understanding and the fear of God. That the the office that they're in, whether it's president or whatever it might be, that that authority comes from God. And see, if we think the authority comes from the people or it comes from myself or wherever, some other source, then there's no fear of God to cause me any restraint so that what? I exercise that authority as a steward. Are you listening? And this is what we're looking for is people that have a understanding what that the authority they have come from God. And so I'm going to exercise that authority as a stewardship. Now that's not only true about Civil authority, that's true in the church. Hello. I See, I'm a person, I have delegated authority. That means it's limited to whatever the parameters for the delegated authority is. If I move out beyond that, then I'm abusing my office. Is that right, Pastor? Anybody? See, so this is what we have to understand. And, and, and as we're looking... To live in the kingdom of God, we have to understand that every one of us are under authority. We're under the authority. Not only the the authority of Jesus Christ, but we're under other authorities as well. The authority in civil matters, but the authority also in church matters. And he says that if you will understand that and live and conduct your conscience and your faith accordingly, then you know what? You'd be rewarded. And if you don't, there's going to come a day when you're going to give an account to God. Not for your salvation, but how you responded to the authority that was placed in your life. Because he says it's for your good. I know sometimes that takes faith, doesn't it? (laughs) But see, God's government 
The government from God is not oppressive. God's government's not oppressive. It's not unjust. God's authority in government is the servant of God to the people. That's what it's about. Isn't that what he just said? He said they serve. That's the, that's the intent and purpose of all authority that God has delegated. The intent and purpose is that it is used in a stewardship way to serve the people on behalf of God. That's what it's about. And you know, when I'm looking at voting or something, I'm starting to think about, okay, who really do I see anybody that's kind of got an understanding of that? That it's about what? Not being oppressive, but rather using that authority and the fear of God, using it in a servant manner. It's awful quiet in here. Man's government, outside of the... The influence of God. Man's government is oppressive, intrusive, and it's always self-serving. It's about power. You know, in Acts 5.29, you know, uh, Peter, Peter and James were called up before the Sanhedrin, which were the religious authorities, the ruling authorities of their day. And they began to question them about healing, you know, the, the man at the beautiful gate. They begin to question them about it, and, and you know, and then they, they charge them, you know, don't be doing this anymore. And it, Peter made an interesting statement here that we need to understand. He said, "Men ought to." Uh, he said, "Yeah." He said, "Men ought to obey God rather than man." Now I mentioned this last week when we talk about authority. All authority comes from God. So when is it right, or when do we have the right, or do we have the right ever? To disobey the authority. Well, here's the thing. Whenever there's a conflict with authority, we always appeal to the higher authority. I said that's, that's true spiritually. It's true in the natural, isn't it? What happens when a, a federal law and a state law conflict? What happens when a local court conflicts with the Supreme Court? Whose ruling stands? It's always what we appeal to the higher authority, don't we? And when we make our decisions, when we make our choices as Christians, there are times when we may need to appeal to a higher authority, just like Peter was talking about. We ought to obey God rather than man. Thank you for those few amen. But here's the thing. Let me say, let me say this. It could cost you. A lot of the Christians in the early years, when they lived under an oppressive government of man, they obeyed God rather than man, but it cost them at times. See, we don't know anything about that here. But we're beginning to, to kind of feel the heat. We're, it kind of feels like the water temperature might be turned up a little bit. <laughs> Isn't that true? All governing authorities are going to be what? Judged by God. Absolutely, everyone, everyone. Look over in Matthew. I really want to get this across to you because I think it's very needed to be understood so that we understand the context of the times we're living in. That there's, we're, we're, we're in a different kingdom and it's conflicting with the kingdom of this present age and there's going to be conflict. There's going to be conflict. You, you, can't, you can't escape it unless you live a life of compromise. There's going to be conflict. You're going to have to stand for something somewhere sometime, and there's going to be conflict when you do. Amen. In, uh, in Matthew 22, verse 17, I'm going to pick it up there, talking about authority, it said, uh, uh, tell us, Speaking to Jesus, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a, a denarius. And he asked them, whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Amen. Amen. 
Jesus didn't say don't pay taxes. Jesus didn't say, you know, to just, you know, for no reason to be all rebellious and overthrow the government and all that. But what he was saying this, he says, recognize that you are living in two kingdoms. We're astride, if you will, two kingdoms, two cities at the same time. And there's going to be that constant contact and tug and tension between the two. And the only way that we have the right discernment is by the Holy Spirit and God's Word as to how we're going to live our lives under these governing authorities. Now notice what he says here. He says in Timothy. Now I say this because, you know, here at Passion Church, we pray for our government. We pray for our president. We pray for all those in leadership. We pray for them regularly because God said to. But why does God want us to pray for them? I mean, is that just something we do? Because, we, you know, we're nice little Christians. We're nice, and we don't want to upset anybody's apple cart, so we're just going to love everybody. We're going to pray for everybody. Well, there's, that's all good, but there's more than that. Because what we want to do as we pray and intercede, we want to remind, and, and those in governing authority, we want them to be reminded that they, what, that they are to act as stewards of the authority given them by God. Paul said over there in 1 Timothy, he said, he said, I would therefore that what? That you pray first of all. How many know what comes, how much comes before first? <laughs> Nothing, right? First of all, that what? Prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for what? For those in authority. He said kings and, and rulers, those in authority. And he goes on down there and he said, so that what? We may lead a quiet and peaceable life and that the gospel could go forth unhindered. Now, along with keeping the lights on and keeping the sewage flowing. Yes, let's keep that flowing. <laughs> and all these other things that we think about and sometimes take for granted. The bottom line of governing an authority is to provide a place where we can live a quiet, peaceable, productive life and we can proclaim and live out the gospel witness in peace. And when they provide that, listen, they've done, I don't care I don't care their background. I don't care where they came from. I don't care. If they're doing that, then you know what? They're doing their job. And I'm not worried about where they came from. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what the background is. If they're doing... And see, we are to help them in that by our prayers. By our obedience. Griping is not obedience. Now, I know we're all tempted to gripe. I have to catch myself sometimes. Because I'm thinking, those knotheads. And God says, well, pray for the knotheads. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll do better. But we're to pray for them. Because the city of God and the city of man, you know, they're, they're going to be in conflict. But the more we pray, I believe this with all my heart, the more we pray, the more we live out our life as God intended under the, the rule of God in and submitted to the rule of authority He's given in our natural government, the more we do that and the more we pray, the closer these two can come in their purposes. And the closer they come to our purposes, the better the quality of life is for us spiritually and naturally. Are you listening? See, what has happened? Those two, for the most part, those two aspects, the government of man, the government of God, instead of drawing closer, what have we been seeing? It seems like they're going further apart, doesn't it? And so what we've got to do as salt and light, we begin to live in obedience to God under that government, we begin to pray in what our prayers and our living, what are the purposes of that, what these two, what did Jesus say to pray? Thy kingdom, thy will be done on as it is in heaven. 
So, you know, as we, we're thinking about, <clears throat> of course, the, the elections in our government, I think we need to see deeper. You need to look at the issues. I, I want to reiterate that. Look at the issues. Educate yourself. Are you listening? Educate yourself. And I want to tell you something. However you feel about the debates, that's not the best place. Watch them, yes, but that's not the best place to educate yourself. Because most of the debates just end up everybody throwing mud at the other one. And I don't learn nothing by that. Isn't that true? I don't learn what they're going to do, where they stand, what their values are. You know, go on their website. Look at what they say their platform is. Get the information. Do all that. But remember this. We live in a city and a kingdom that is greater. We live in one that is above that. And what we want to do, whoever is elected, we want to continue what? To pray and live in such a way that the words of Jesus can begin to be manifest in a closer proximity than ever before. That is, that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man will come closer together. Are you listening? If you, re- you look at all the great revivals that have been in this nation, and with every spiritual revival, there's also come a change in the government, in the way it governs, the way it sees the, the church, the way it sees its responsibility. There comes a fear of God upon a nation. So we, we want revival, yes, for all that, what? That God will save and bring into the kingdom. But we also want to see what? It, we want to see what happens, you know, in the government or the city of man. We want it to come closer in alignment with the city of God. Now, let's talk about the economy just for a minute. Or, or five or so here. The economy. The economy. And I would encourage you, listen. Go back, because I don't have the time, but go back in Romans 13 there and read that out slowly and carefully and gain an understanding, a deeper understanding about how this authority works in both the spiritual realm, God's kingdom, and how it should work in the city of man. And, and remember, we said, you know, in the city of man, you know, skepticism, reason, and man is the end-all and the be-all in himself. You know, I don't need anybody. I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I don't need God. I don't need religion. I don't need all that stuff. You know, I can do it. I can build the city. We can build the city. We don't need any of that. Don't let that creep in to your believing and to your thinking and to your living. In the economy, the city of man is based on greed... And lust to obtain all they can for their own benefit. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like a game. You know, whoever dies with the most stuff wins. What did they win? (laughs) And you know, I told you all this, I've done some funerals over 30 something years. I know pastors done a lot of them. I've never seen a hearse pull up with a, with a U-Haul behind it, have you, Pastor? Never have. <laughs> you know why? It's not, they can't, you can't take it with you. Isn't that right? But in the city of man, it's all about possessions. It's all about, you know, where you live and how big your heart, house is and what do you drive and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And we're looking for, you know, we've we got to have the brands. We've got to have the latest brands. And, you know, and all the economy is tied into that to really produce the, the, the ultimate of consumerism. And consumerism always leads you to debt. Debt always leads you to slavery. And that is the principle of the economics of the city of man. They want you in debt. Because when you're in debt, you're in servitude to me. And when you're in servitude to me, you got to do what I say. Hello. Isn't that right? Jesus said this. He said, you know, one day uh, he was, you know, out teaching and everything. And a guy, all of a sudden a guy just piped up and said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Because in those days, you know, the inheritance went to the older, went to the eldest. And Jesus said, man, who made me to be an arbitrator between you and your brother? And then he went on. He said, be careful. Why? Because he discerned this man's motive. 
He said, be careful that you don't lust after, you know, all the things of this world, the wealth and riches of this world. And he went on to say, because a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. Boy, does that fly in the face of the city of man, doesn't it? How can you be so naive, Pastor? How can you? I mean, we got to have stuff. Well, nobody said you didn't have to have stuff. Just don't let stuff have you. It's the difference between which kingdom we're living in. In one kingdom, the tail is wagging the dog. In God's kingdom, things are in order. The dog wags the tail. Isn't that true? Really, the city of man, the the economic system is is we want to endeavor to be self-sufficient without God. Don't, I mean, I've had, not a lot, but I've had some through the years, man, they just get, I mean, angry. Don't tell, I don't need God for nothing. I don't, don't, I'm not one of those weak people. Need, I need a crutch. I need God. I can make it on my own. That's, that's the city of man. And I what you said, let us build a tower. Make a name for ourselves. <clears throat> it is a system, as I mentioned, built to put men in slavery through death. Through death. You ever notice how easy credit is? You know, it's like, you know, it's like some of those mouse traps, the old mouse traps they used to make, you know. And, and what they did was, you know, they were circular and had several openings. And it was easy to get into, but once the mouse got in there, he couldn't get out. And that's the way it is with the city of man, with the economics, isn't it? Easy credit. How many of you see those commercials? Easy credit. If you're like me, man, my mailbox is stuffed with, hey, man, have we got a deal for you? <clears throat> because <clears throat> you're such a wonderful person, we want to give you some credit cards. Isn't it amazing? You fill those credit cards up and can't pay them, their opinion of you changes. <laughs> no longer are you such a wonderful person. <laughs> We're going to take you to court. <laughs> Easy credit. Listen, they want to put you in slavery to debt. But the city of God's eco economics is based upon grace and blessing beginning from within. Why do we, you know, why do we, why is pastor? Now, I'm up here. Why do we talk about, take the time at offering time? We're trying to, you know, in spoonful of bites, and I'm just adding to that, to, to educate you and remind you that this, the, the economic system that is the best economic system is God's system. It's the kingdom of God. Because it's based on God's blessing. It's based on God's grace. It's based on the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. And see, this is what we try to tell you. That, that our giving and the way that we're stewards of the income we have already received. That all of those things using the wisdom of God. That means what? We are living and putting our money and our, our economics, our means of making a, a, a living, whatever it might be, we're bringing all that under the authority of the economic system of the kingdom of God. You go back and look at Abraham. Are you listening? Look at Abraham. Abraham went into the promised land. Now, he had some property. There's no question about that. He had some property. But it's not until he's there for a while and he begins to live under the kingdom yes. of God's economy that it says that makes this statement and Abraham became very rich yes. very rich why he lived in the economics of God he lived in the economics of God Remember, he's, he, he, he's one of the first, clearly, now you go back to Canaan, or to Abel was the first tither, but you, 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 you move forward. Abraham got a hold of this principle. Remember when Melchizedek came to him? It says that Abraham gave him a tithe, gave him a tenth of everything. Woo. Come on. 
Because, see, God's economy is about what? Giving, not getting, taking. Either one. The kingdom of man is not, a, his economic system is not about giving. It's about getting. It's about getting. How much can I get? You know, the pastor used to say, you know, I'm going to get all I can and sit on the can. Put it in the can, sit on the can. God's economy is, one, is to be one of stewardship for God, myself, and others. It's a steward. His kingdom is about blessing, yes, and grace, but then what? I'm a steward. I'm a steward. You know what a steward is? It's somebody who manages something, but it doesn't belong to them. They don't own it. You know, and I've lived long enough now to find out that the stuff... A lot of stuff's gone through my hands through the years. I'm sure same as with you. You know, how many, how many cars have you bought and they got old and you had to get another one? Or, or houses, you know, what, whatever it might be. A lot of stuff's gone through our hands. You know what that reminds, that lets me know real quick, you know, I don't own this stuff. You know, I'm in, I enjoy my, my house that I have now. I'm living in it. But I'm going to tell you what, I look at that thing and I think, God, you know what? 50 years, somebody else will be living in it. Maybe sooner than that. But for sure in 50 years, somebody else will be living in it. <laughs> they won't even know who I was. They don't care where I, who built it or whatever. You know, that's the way it is. It's a stewardship thing. And the, the reason I bring this out, it makes all the difference in the world about how you manage things. When you think it's mine, you know, got to pry it out of your hand. But when you realize it's all God's, then when God says, hey, I want you to do this with some of it. I want you to do that with some of it. And then you can have this much for yourself right now. And all of a sudden, we just begin, what, we begin to be what? Money managers for God and for His kingdom. And that is the purpose of my money is what? Number one, to promote the kingdom of God. Number, one, number two, to take care of my needs. And number three, to help those who are in need. Yeah, but I, I got to put up for my retirement. You know, every time you obey God, you're giving that, that tithe, that offering, you're giving to the poor like we did for Haiti or something, you're obeying God and what you're doing. You know what? You are building retirement. Are you listening? Didn't Jesus say over there? He said, don't store up here on earth. But he said, what? Rather store up in. How do you do that? How do you store up? How am I going to store up? I mean, my store, you know, we're going to store up dollar bills or euros or whatever it is up there or yen. No, but what it is when I am a steward of God's resources in his kingdom, when I am a good steward, then you know what? That opens up to me the treasury of heaven. Are you listening? The treasury of heaven. That's why Paul said, to the Philippians, he said, And my God shall supply all of your need according to the Roman economy. According to the Dow Jones. No, he said, well, According to his riches in by Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? All of a sudden, we begin to look at our money different. We begin to look at our possessions different. I said, God, help me to be. See, this is why we need wisdom. I want to use my resources not just to please myself, but to please Him who gave them to me. And He said, if any man like wisdom, let him ask God, and He will what? Give him liberally. Isn't that right? God's system, we've got to close here, is built to liberate man from the love of and the slavery to money. Doesn't, God's not, God don't care how much money you have as long as money don't have you. Are you listening to me? And you know, I found that out. I have to learn that with the dollar bill before I can learn it with the hundred dollar bill. Isn't that true? I mean, man. You know? Pastor was referring the other day on our, during our our prayer time with all the lead pastors he's talking about 
when he uh, ran uh, out in California, he was running a marathon out there. 26, was it 26.1 or 2? Which is 2. That's a long ways. You know? And you hear him talking about that and you think, you know what? I think I'd like to do that. <laughs> yeah, man, I, if he'd do it, I believe I can do it. <laughs> so I jump up, I don't, you know, no training, no, 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 no nothing, just jump up off the couch. <laughs> you know about how far I'm going to get. You know where this is going already, don't you? <laughs> It ain't going to be 26.2 miles, I can tell you that. <laughs> but see, sometimes in dealing with, with our money in the, the, the system of God, we're like that. We hear somebody that, that has learned some of these principles and has, has placed themselves and their resources under the kingdom of God over a period of years. I've been doing this for years, and I'm still, I mean, how much I don't know, volumes could be written. <laughs> you know, I might could write a I might could write a small pamphlet about what I do know, and a big volume about what I don't know. But uh, you know, I've learned this. You know, you don't get there overnight, but you the decision can be made right now. I'm going to live under God's economy. I'm going to live in God's kingdom. You know why? Because it's going to liberate me. I don't have to be self-sufficient. I don't have to get it all figured out. I don't have to store up so much money that I don't have to worry about anything. That's a, that's a big fallacy anyway, isn't it? How many things can you think of? We can make a long list of things money can't buy. Isn't that true? I know one thing. I look at all these, you know, you're standing in the line there, you know, at the grocery store going to, Waiting to check out and something sometimes, you know, and you know, I glance over there and they got all these magazines, whatever they are. I don't even know what they all call. It used to be called Inquirer and stuff like that. I don't know what they call it. You know, you'll you know, you'll be sitting there waiting, you know, and you'll read a headline, you know, so and so, you know, and you know you know the name. They got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and you know, they're going through their sixth divorce. <laughs> or they're strung out on drugs. Or whatever the case may be. And see, you realize that all of a sudden, here they are. They've got fame. They've got popularity. They've got all this money. They've got everything you can want for. And yet what? They are still bound, unhappy, fearful. But you and I, maybe unknown to anybody but God, but we make the choice that we're going to live under the economy of God. And he says... Immediately, immediately, there's a peace that comes. Let me read one scripture. Then we gotta, i got to close. We'll pick this up next week. We'll be talking about some of the others. We're talking about the conflict of kingdoms. And, and this, this kingdom conflict really is in two ways. We know this. Paul said, you know, I mentioned it last week. I called it the shadow kingdom. We learned that in Ephesians 6, Paul talked about principalities, powers, and so forth. You, you remember reading about that? He said, that's, that's where our true battle is. See, I'm not, I'm not battling the, the Republicans or the Democrats or the Green Party or anybody else or the Liberty. That's not who I'm battling. That's not what this election's about. Come on, Christians. Let's see farther than that, deeper than that. He says it's about what? Principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. It's about their influence over authority in our nation, through our institutions, in our values that is attempting to put a yoke of bondage on this nation. That's what it's about. So there's a shadow kingdom there. I call it the shadow kingdom because behind every government there is either evil spirits, or God's Spirit, which is having the greater influence. That's another reason why we pray. Why? Because we want to what? Come against the, those evil spirits that are what? Usurping authority over the natural authority and get God's influence because the authority came from God. Same thing about the economics. Here in Timothy, he said this. He said... Verse 5, real quickly, and we're going to pray and close here in just a moment. 
1 Timothy 6, he said, uh, we'll start with the latter part of verse 5. He said, who've been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. What is godliness? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, faithfulness. That's godliness. In other words, that's, that's godlike. That's the, the fruit of the Spirit as we call them. That's, that's godliness. That's godlike. That's the things we cultivate. See, I may, I may have one dollar in the bank and be perfectly at peace. And you may have a million dollars in the bank and can't sleep at night. That wasn't exactly a parable. I have been there. <laughs> Not now, but I have been there. <laughs> For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I want to tell you something. If, if you want to prosper in God's kingdom, first learn to be content with what you have. Man, I remember years ago when Cindy and I first got married, and uh, we, we were living over in uh, Old Cloverdale here in Montgomery. And they had taken one of those older houses and, you know, divided it up into apartments. And I mean, man, that kitchen was so small, you couldn't hardly change your mind in there. <laughs> I mean, it was little. It was little, you know. And we bought one of those little stack dryer, washer and dryer things. You, you've seen them. I guess they still make them, don't they? Yeah, you know, it was real because that's the only th only thing we had enough room to fit in there and fit. And I remember that's if I went out the back door, I'd squeeze by that, you know, and and get out the back door. Little, you know, little bitty thing. Everything we owned, somebody either gave to us or loaned to us, mostly because they didn't want it anymore. <laughs> you, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> but you know what? Sitting down, I was talking the other day. You know. By the grace of God, we were able, a couple years ago, we built a brand new home here and everything. But you know, I told her, I said, you know what? We were just as happy then. Just, I mean, we thought it was the top of the mark. You understand that? I, I mean, we thought, man, we're living, you know, we just come off the mission field. We thought, man, we're living big. <laughs> Washing and <the> dryer. <laughs> Got a kitchen. We're living big. Yeah, but I'm just saying, we, would live, we were just as happy just as happy as we are now. Learn to be content. You can in God's economy. You know why? Because you know He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. He said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Then he goes on down real quickly. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope or trust in wealth. See, that's the thing. When you're in God's kingdom, you don't look to wealth. You look to God, the author of wealth. But when you're living in man's system, I'm telling you, if that's the system you're going to live in, then God bless you. Because you're going to have to pile up a whole lot. You're going to have to pile up a whole lot. He said, trust in, which is uncertain, but to, what, uncertain wealth, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our own enjoyment. Then he goes on to say, Command those who are rich in this world's goods to be rich in good works. So, kingdoms and conflicts. City of man, city of God. We looked at government and economics today. And so here's the question. This week, I want you to, to, to be honest. Get along with God. Be honest with says, Okay, which, which kingdom am I living in? Now, we live in both at the same time. But in other words, which kingdom is ruling my decision making? Which kingdom is determining the values that I'm living out this life here on earth? Which one is it? Because one of the two is going to rule. There's no question about it. Isn't that right? And God needs to give us wisdom so that we understand 
you know, just like Paul did. He was a Roman citizen. He was an Israelite. He was in the kingdom of God, but he was also in, under the rule of Rome. And he had the wisdom, and he knew exactly, God gave him the wisdom to know exactly how to walk out those, in those two realms. But he never forgot what was important. What was important. And where we want to determine to live our life. And so, you say, well, what does all this got to mean, this mean for me, bottom line? Well, number one, it'll keep you from getting so uptight about all the stuff that's going on politically. Oh, my God. You know, I've heard people say, you know, this country's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Anybody understand that? Well, it won't if the church will do her part. If we'll pray. If we'll live our life in godliness, like he said, living under the rule of God's kingdom, and we will pray, and we will act, and we will be that salt and light, then we can make a difference so that what? Those two get closer and closer instead of further and further. That's our responsibility. Not only in just in voting, but in all the other ways too. And then we're going to bring our finances under the rule of the economy of God. Economy. That way, it, you know, if there's, you know, if there's a recession, if there's slow growth, if there's stagnation, or what any other ills of the 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 economic system of this world, you know what? We don't have to get all uptight about it. We don't have to be up, you know, up at night pacing the floor. We're trusting in our God. Isn't that right? Somebody says, "Oh, that sounds so simple." It is simple. It's just not easy. <laughs> See, something can be simple, but not it doesn't make mean it easy, is it? Until we get what our flesh and our minds in harmony with God. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.